If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another listener episode of the podcast. Today I am interviewing Chelsea, who was in a three-year relationship where her partner was not faithful multiple times. And Chelsea talks about how she navigated this within the relationship, kept trying to make it work, kept thinking that she was choosing love and choosing to make it work out. And finally, towards the end of the relationship, she ended up going alcohol free. So she she stopped drinking and she says it so beautifully, but she dropped alcohol and gained these new glasses where she was able to see herself. She was able to see the relationship and able to see her partner in this very clear and new way. And that ended up leading to her having to end the relationship because he was not treating her the way that she deserved to be treated. And and I will say, even if you're someone who is has no desire to stop drinking alcohol, this that's not the purpose of this episode. The purpose of this episode is just being able to see yourself and your worth and what you deserve in in a new light. And Chelsea happened to find that through dropping alcohol. And as you guys know, I haven't drank alcohol in a very long time. So we definitely talk about that. But she talks about how she navigated ending the relationship. She had to live with her ex for six weeks after. So we talk about that. We talk about how to deal with shared dogs. So she shares a little bit about that. And we talk about like the healing afterwards, how she was able to come to terms with being able to, how is she ever going to trust someone ever again after going through that? What did she do to deserve that? All of these like really tough thoughts that we tend to have after a breakup. So this was was such a great episode. Chelsea's about a year out from her breakup. So she has some really, really great insights. And she's done a lot of the the healing work that is required. We talk a lot about therapy and how that has helped her. So I think you guys are going to get so much out of this story. And as always, I'm so grateful to the listeners who come on and, and share their story. I know it, it's not always easy. And people love these episodes and and I know why because it's it's so raw and it's so relatable so very excited to introduce you guys to Chelsea. Welcome Chelsea to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to share your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited cuz I've been following you since my breakup and it's coming full circle right now. 
That's amazing. I love when people can like start as a listener and then come back on and then I'll have listener episodes. They'll like listen to it like even more like months down the road and like be able to have like a moment in time of being able to hear themselves. Yeah. So I love that part of it too. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Just like where you're from, maybe what you do so people can get an idea of who you are. Yeah. So I currently live in Houston and I'm in my early thirties. I have been alcohol free for almost two years. And that was a choice I made for myself. It started as a health choice. And then it quickly grew into me realizing I didn't have a healthy relationship with it. And through that, I've been sharing my journey. So naturally, I do have a platform on Instagram and do content creation around it. But my full time job, I am in the hospitality industry and catering and events. So that's me in small nutshell. Awesome. I'm like, we're definitely going to talk about the alcohol free things. Well, we'll get into it at some point. But I love that there's so much more like curiosity and interest in that. As someone who hasn't drank alcohol in a really long time, it was nowhere near as like universal or accepted at, at like when I first stopped drinking. So I think it's really cool that it's becoming like a lot more of a movement and a lot more on social media. So let's talk about your breakup. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the relationship that you were in? How long was it? How did you guys meet? Kind of the arc of the whole relationship? Yeah. So we met on Hinge. And it was a relationship that grew very quickly. We both flat out asked, like, what do you want? And we both wanted a relationship. We wanted to find the one and start this journey of building a future and family together. And we were together about three years. And one year in, we moved in together. And a few months later, he ended up cheating on me. And it was with an escort. And I know now, like, you never know how you're going to react in a situation until you're in it. Like, you're deep in it. It's it's right in front of you. Somebody's, like, fighting you with a sword. What are you going to do? And at that time, we chose each other. We chose love. And we chose that we were going to work this out. And at the time, I thought relationships are hard and their work. And this is just one of those obstacles that you got to get through and you will overcome and you'll tell your children one day. A few months later, there was another incident. And that's when we started going to couples therapy together. And when he cheated on me it was January, 2020, a few months later was March, 2020 COVID. Even though I hate to use the word force, but looking back at, we were kind of forced to yeah. To tackle things. Yeah, I think that's a fair word to use. Yeah. I mean, we had nothing else really to do. And me being in hospitality, my job took a a huge dip. So we were forced with handling the relationship, going to therapy. And we did for about six months. And then I got COVID and was really sick for a couple months and naturally didn't go back. And then the incidents started again. And then I became alcohol free. And that how I described me becoming alcohol free in the relationship was I lost the booze and I gained glasses for my soul. Mm, yeah. And I was able to see the patterns and the boundaries being violated and my worth being demolished and all these things. And 
finally at about the three year mark, there was one final incident and I just was able to have the confidence to say, I'm no longer doing this anymore. And that was almost exactly a year ago today. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And thus started the healing and growth journey. I liked how you said, like, you just don't know how you're going to react to something until you're there. And it's interesting, like being in my line of work, I like, you know, I mean, I hear, and then being in a marriage, you know, I hear about a lot of these things and I'm like, you know, how would I react? Like if I found out that I was being cheated on or just like any of the variations of stories I hear within relationships. And I think the truth of the matter is like, you really don't know. And I think it's really important to like operate from that frame of mind, because I think it's easy if you've never been cheated on to think like, oh, I'd be out immediately. Or I think this comes up a lot with like narcissists and like toxic relationships. You hear about like the awful ways someone's treated in a relationship. And on the outside, you're like, yeah, it's a no brainer. I would leave. But you have no idea like what happened prior to that, the kind of foundation that was laid. Like a lot of people who are in relationships that go south, like there were a lot of really good times before that, that you obviously would love to get back to, you know, so I'm sure that's like a big part of it too. And I think it's just like very unfair to judge something from the outside and be like, well, I would do it that way. You just, you don't know. Yeah. You truthfully don't know how you're going to react until you're in it. And I'm used to be the person who thought, all right, if you cheat on me, I'm cutting you and we're done. I'm a Scorpio. I am cutthroat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I did it. And like you said, I I remember myself, I can always vividly picture myself being in the closet crying with like head in my knees and just like, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? And I'm like texting my best friend on the side. I'm like, I don't know how to face this right now. I don't know. Do I get up and leave or do I fight and work through this? And everything goes through your head. And one of the things that went through my head that I think is very real in society today, and a lot of people are like, oh, that shouldn't hold you back. But we had signed a two-year lease and we had finances together and other things. And I was like, okay, can I financially even do this on my own? And, you know, like I said, people will tell you, don't let that hold you back. But sometimes like naturally it's a thought. And that was one of the I mean, thoughts. you have to have a roof over your head. And like, I've tried to break a lease. It's expensive. It's very expensive to break a lease. And it's something that I get asked a lot of like, you know, a lot of people have to live with their exes for like a period of time because they can't afford to break a lease or like they can't like one of person yep. can't find another roommate. And that's a really difficult situation to find yourself in. But I think it is important to say like, yeah, that is obviously like it's a big consideration you need. Like not everyone has like parents they can go move back with Mm -hmm. or friends that will just like let you stay with them. That's not what everyone's story is. I'm curious when you like, how long were you like considering ending it before? Or was it just kind of this like big moment of clarity where you're like, this is it? Like, can you walk through kind of the consideration Mm -hmm. process before you ended it? Yeah. So Last year, early in the spring, so spring 2021, he had gotten, became a co-founder in this new company and it was going to take us to Austin in 2022. And because at the time I saw a future with him and I wanted 
was like, yeah, I'll do anything. And my family actually does, lives in Austin and it's always been on my mind that I would back to Austin at some yeah. point. So I did used to live there. And so it felt like this natural, like, okay, like our relationship's taking a turn. The cards are falling into place, blah, blah, blah. However, I was like starting to lay out the ground rules or checkpoints. I was like, in order for me to feel hundred percent comfortable to pick up my entire life and move to Austin, we've got to kind of meet these things of like going back to therapy because we still weren't in the best place. And he was still cheating on me, whether it was emotionally or physically with escorts. And I think I knew deep down inside that that was, I was never going to move to Austin with him. And we had gone to Mexico for a trip last July and it was one that he was planning for us and financially carried us through that trip because being in hospitality wasn't super lucrative for me. And I was blessed and grateful that he had a great job and wanted to support us. And when I say us, we had dogs together. And I remember in Mexico on our last night, he's always supported me being alcohol free and like been a cheerleader. But I think deep down inside, it was a projection of his own problems that he wasn't dealing with. Yeah. And in Mexico, the last night, he's like, I just have to get drunk. Like, I got to get drunk. Like, I haven't been drunk this whole time. Like, let me live. And I'm like, you do you. Like, I do me and you do you. Like, I truly am only focused on my own alcohol-free journey. And I remember him just being so drunk, it was uncomfortable. And I started like sitting in my thoughts of, I don't think I see a future with you anymore. And I don't know what that means, but leaving this trip on this note, I don't know where this is going to go. And right before Mexico, I do have a psychic intuitive that I see every now and then. And she had said, same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she's also a life coach. So she's not like, okay, you're going to meet this person on this day and marry them. It's like, this is what I see. And I'm going to coach you through your goals. So she's really amazing. And she said by May, 2022, I would know exactly what I wanted to do. And she's like, you're not working towards the future, but you're not, not working towards the future. And that always kind of stuck in my head. And when we returned from Mexico, he had went to Austin for, it was a work trip slash a lads trip and had lied to me about a lot of things. And when he had come back, I, I had said to him, I was like, I don't know how I feel about you deep down inside. Couple weeks later, he ended up doing the escort thing again. So I would say about six months, it was constantly on my mind because of the thought of moving to Austin. Hmm. And then we did have to live together for about two months after it. Okay. It's interesting. I feel like sometimes like vacations can be the thing that like, like you're like, oh, this is great. Like it's like the thing that you can like connect you together or there's something about like getting out of your house and your routine that can like shine Mm -hmm. like a big spotlight on like, oh, this is not working. I'm just thinking back to like when I was in the relationship with the narcissist, like we ended up breaking up on vacation because it just Mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, this is just not working, you know? And I'm supposed to like vacations are supposed to be the time where I'm like so happy with you. And I was going to ask like with you going alcohol free Mm -hmm. and then also with, you know, with him and these like repeated incidents with escorts, like, do you think there were some like I mean, obviously we can't, we cannot diagnose anyone, but like, do you feel like there was some like addictive tendencies with him? Absolutely. It, me becoming alcohol free 
wasn't only a self-reflection for him, I believe. And again, we can't self-diagnose, but it was also our common denominator. And Mm. when I removed that common denominator, even though there were these other great things we had in common and joyed together, it was like the main one, the big one, the glue. Yeah. We get drunk a lot. We go out a lot. We drink a lot. Yeah. But it was also the catalyst into him being with escorts. It was a pattern of him choosing to go out without me, which is a red flag and would get drunk and he'd be like, I'll be home at 10. No worries. And, but he wouldn't get home till 5 AM. Yeah. And so it was this constant pattern. And every time like he fell into it, it created a, a pattern within me of how to react and being not level in my emotions. I would have a pattern of going to his iPad and looking at his search history while he was out and then looking at his photos that he was taking and screenshotting at the same time. Like that was the pattern for me every single time. So for him, he would tell me that he felt like he didn't have a great relationship with alcohol in this sense. As you know, like there's different types of addictions and alcohol use disorders. And for him, it was like, he knew when he drank, he didn't know when to stop. Yeah. He wasn't the everyday drinker. He was just, when I would go out, I would binge. And definitely, there was definitely alcohol within play on both sides. Yeah. I mean, I look back to like the only relationships like I lost when I got sober were like the ones what you mentioned that was like our common denominator. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the relationships were lost because when you're in like a low, place, whether you maybe like whether you know it or not, but like when you're like struggling with binge drinking or struggling with like, like sex or whatever you're struggling with, it feels better when you have people around you that are Mm -hmm. of the same struggle of the same level. And then when one person kind of rises from that, you're forced to look at yourself. Like, you know, I think some people were forced to look at their own drinking when I stopped drinking and they didn't want to do that. So like, it just made sense for the relationship to, to part ways. And it's funny too, cause like still to this day, the only people I've learned, like the only people that have a problem with me not drinking, whether that's like, I'm out with friends at like a bar and someone's like, do you want to drink? And I'm like, oh no, I don't drink. And they're like, mm-hmm. never. And they're like, there's some people that are curious, mm-hmm. but there are some people that you can tell are just like mm-hmm. hounding me about it. Like, I just know that that's a reflection of them or, you know, people will be like, well, I only drink this amount. And I'm like, I literally don't care about your drinking yeah. at all. I could yeah. care less about your drinking habits. Like right. this is a total personal decision. And I mm-hmm. like, I don't have a problem with anyone else doing it, but I think it's like, your ex was probably more forced to like examine his own actions when you Mm -hmm. were made that decision for yourself. So what do you think? Like you mentioned when you put down the booze, you got Mm -hmm. like this new set of like this new perspective on how, what was like the biggest shift you saw maybe within the relationship? The biggest shift was him not inviting me out even more Mm -hmm. because I don't know why, to be honest, but that was definitely the biggest shift. It's like before that I wasn't invited out as much, but I was still coming around and doing like Sunday football and things like that and going to friends houses for get togethers. But when I lost the booze, the biggest shift was even more so like barely was ever invited out to his 
whether it was the bar or friends' houses or whatever. Do you feel like it was easier to rationalize his like these incidents when you were drinking because you had kind of this like maybe slight numbing factor to it? And then like once that was gone, like you can't really like escape the thoughts of like what he's doing or escape the feelings of how it makes you feel when you learn about this. Absolutely. Alcohol was my coping mechanism. Totally. Yeah. I mean, when it first happened in January, it became this blissful, like from him, like, okay, I'm going to do everything it takes to fix this. And then the blissfulness fell off a couple months later in March and another incident happened. And then it was COVID and COVID plus needing to cope with this fact that he wasn't stopping when he said he was going to stop. Yeah. completely coping with alcohol. And I had started tracking my drinks in a calendar in my bathroom, but I didn't know why. Looking back, I know this is why. In the moment, I just knew I was drinking a lot mm-hmm. and I didn't like how I felt and what I was doing. And I also know now that a standard size drink is way less than <laughs> any of us realize. <laughs> And definitely what you're pouring at home for sure. (laughs) You're probably double, triple, quadruple pouring. Like a glass of wine, I think is only five ounces. And that's like not that big at all, people. I'm I'm sorry to let you know. (laughs) It's barely anything. So I, I started tracking those drinks and I was numbing for a long time. And then when I stopped drinking, it was like a newborn getting glasses and seeing for the first time. And I started seeing problems within my relationship that I didn't like and that I was still tackling on. And what had changed with me was calling it out more and setting boundaries more and realizing my worth and gaining more confidence as the months passed. And as I was fixing myself from the inside, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. 
So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. When you were saying that, it reminded me of this couple that I like distantly know. There's been like this cycle of the the wife definitely like has alcohol issues and you know has like probably more so like where she's like had to go to rehab and like things like that and then the husband like has had infidelity issues and like the husband kind of likes that the wife has mm-hmm. drinking issues and then the wife kind of likes that the husband has infidelity issues because like they both never really have to feel bad about their own actions because the yeah. other person like and I think that does yeah. happen a lot. So like if one person's like I'm tapping out like I'm not going to have anything to feel ashamed about anymore. That's like a huge disruptor to like this like symbiotic this like kind of yeah. toxic symbiotic relationship that some people are in. So I'm curious when you actually like ended the relationship, how did he take it? Was he like I get mm-hmm. it the gigs up or so I didn't realize that part of the symbiotic relationship till my therapist pointed it out. My therapist okay. was also our couples therapist. Got it. Okay. So I'm also very blessed. I saved about 10 to 15 sessions <laughs> uh, with her. You're like, I'm using these. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, you know, everything I'm sticking with you. And yeah. she's amazing. Shout out Stephanie. She's absolutely amazing. <laughs> So it was kind of a process with the breakup is there was the incident and the next day I walked, I slept downstairs when he came home and I walked upstairs, sat on the couch and said, I think you love me, but I don't think you like me. And I walked and I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I walked out and to have had that courage is monumental movements from the person I was in January, 2020, who didn't have the courage to really speak up. And I think we had spoken later that day and he was going out of town the next week back home for a wedding, which I was never going to go home with him because he was the best man at a Vietnamese wedding and we weren't going to see each other. And I, I didn't know a lot of that side of his friends back home. So I was never going to go with him. And we had sat down and talked and I said, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing. You're leaving for a week because this gives us both space to, think and process. And when you come back, we'll make the final decision. And I said, I don't think I want to be with you anymore. Like, I know I don't want to, but I'm kind of giving you this small little inch of room if you do want to be together. And I knew he wasn't going to, and I think it was still me, just that 10% of courage I still didn't have. I had 90% of it. I said, if you want to stay together, we're going to go couples therapy, singles, one-on-one therapy, you're going to be sober and like change your friends. Like, I just like, I know you're not going to agree to this, but I'm just going to kind of tell you where I'm at. And it was also, it was still a lot to think about at that time because we had the house, we had the dogs, we had a credit card together and it's very tangled. But I, at that time now, I was like, I can do this. I'm going to, you know what? I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm going to figure it out. He went and then he came back and we talked a couple of days later after he kind of settled down for being at the wedding. And he walked in saying, I don't think I was ready for a relationship. I was like, well, in the flip, did you figure that out in the past three years? But thank yeah. you. And we agreed to break up. And I just walked out. I, I didn't really have much to say because I was like, all right. 
yeah. um, we're, we're done. And then we had to live together for about six weeks, I think. And he ended up moving to Austin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe for the people that do have to live with exes, can you just share mm-hmm. anything that like worked for yeah. you guys? Obviously, yeah. it's like a really shitty situation, but like, <laughs> yeah. there's not, I don't think there's any way to like make it pleasant, but like maybe like, if there's any way that it was bearable. Real shitty. But yeah. for me, my situation worked out, even though what he did to me was real shitty and horrible. He was mature and he's also a Gemini, so he cuts off his emotions. And so he, could shut them off. There was, and me being alcohol free saved me. And I knew when I got to this point in my life, me becoming alcohol free was not an accident because there was no flipping way I would have been able to have gone through that sober. If I was drinking, I would have tried to sleep with him. I would have like cried in his bed, like all those things. And the best thing that worked for us was I said, I don't want to be with you anymore, but I want to end this relationship amicably. Like I set the tone from the beginning. I was like, we're going to do this right. I hate you, but we're going to be mature about it. We slept in different beds because we had dogs together, including I think she was a nine month puppy. We had great Danes. So we had to be mature and take them on walks together. And I'm a firm believer in no contact And I have friends who are like, well, I can't do that because of X, Y, Z. Do no contact, at least emotionally. Yeah. You can get through this in a mature way of we took the girls on the walk together. We wouldn't talk. We would just do what we needed to do. There were a few nights where I did just cry with him, but there was no... I want to say there's no emotional attachment. Like I wasn't crying to him because I wanted us to be together. And I had set that tone within myself, but it was just like, you were my person and we have gone through a lot. Well, and just like the situation sucks. Like, I think it's like crying over, like, I just don't like, this is just like crummy. This is just bad. Like, I just, I'm sad that this is happening. Not like I miss you. Right. You have to set that, that tone within yourself and goals and, and lines. And if you can't, then don't do it. And unfortunately, about a week after we ended, my dad had been diagnosed with more cancer and had days to live. And so so I went through. Thank you. It was I had to tell him like, look, I'm in a really, really, really shitty situation. I just need us to get along. And I know you're not my lover but you'll always have a place in my heart. And I really need you to help me get through this. And that was the few times that I just like cried with him was it was a lot to handle. And I go back to like, I know the universe brought me to being alcohol free. Cause again, there's no way I could have gotten through all of that hitting me at once, opening up my abandonment wound completely because my abandonment wound was from my dad originally. And here it is gaping wide open and I needed to cope in the right way grieve in the right way and feel the healing that I was going through. I'm so sorry. That is so much to handle at one time. And it sounds like you navigated it with a lot of grace. Can you like walk us through what that like healing looked like afterward? Because I'm sure you're dealing with like 
I mean, and this is just speculating, but like, how am I ever going to trust someone? Like, I'm sure, like, what did I do to deserve? Like, there's, you know, like, it was I not enough? Like, I just, there's so many like wild thoughts that we have after a breakup. Can you kind of walk through like, what did that healing look like? And maybe, you know, I think Mm -hmm. it's coming up on a year. Like, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear, you know, looking back, what kind of progress has been made? Yeah, it's been a long journey. And the first thing I did was immediately schedule a therapy session with who was our therapist and also my individual therapist. And I made her cry in the first session when I laid everything out there. I was like, break up my dad's death and like all these things. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And to know that the human on the other side of the screen had as much empathy for my as I was grieving was very helpful. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of thoughts that went through my head. And I think the best way where I started was knowing that I didn't want to get back to him and that I was truly working towards moving on and not holding on to a thought, well, one day we'll heal, we'll be back together. Like you have to remove that thought in order to truly heal and move through your emotions. I really turned the good thing to backtrack a little bit is because my therapist knew us as a couple and we had went to therapy because of the cheating. She also knew us individually because we saw her individually. So she knew him from his childhood on and she was able to connect the reasons for things. When I was like, why did he cut off his emotions? How can he like, why am I over here crying and grieving? And me being in the darkest time of my life. And I truly didn't want to breathe anymore. It was the first time in my life that I understood a little bit about unaliving yourself. Not that I was ever thinking through it, but it was like, I didn't want to breathe. And I finally was like, I get it sadly. And it was such a tough, dark time in my life. And she was able to connect the dots on how he was reacting and acting and how he could just get up and move to Austin and all these things. So as much as it sucked what he did to me, I was able to go through all that therapy with him and she was able to like help me quickly move through it. And my biggest fear in it was trusting somebody again. And I told her that after I kind of moved through things. And the biggest turning point for me was when she put it in the best framework of what happened. I don't remember how we got to this, but she was like, he put your body, your health, your safety, your future on the line with cheating on you. And that totally reshaped my mindset when it came to cheating. Like you're not just making an unfaithful choice. You're hurting somebody else in such a much bigger light. And I had said, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to trust somebody again. I'm afraid that I'm going to have the instinct to go through their phone, to go through their Venmo transactions, their WhatsApp, their archive, their photos, their iPad, their their search history, like the links I went to to, to find everything. I'm afraid I'm going to fall into that pattern because that pattern was there for two plus years. Yeah. And the best thing that she told me was the right person isn't going to make you feel that way. Yeah. The right person is going to make you feel safe. They're going to make you feel secure and they're never going to give you a thought of what you were going through in your last relationship. 
And I think the best thing I did in therapy was just to ask the questions. I think sometimes people are afraid to be like, well, what if I can't trust again? What if I get cheated on again? What if I can't move through this? Like, just ask the questions. Yeah. No question is wrong. No question is stupid. Your therapist should have an answer. And it's like pretty unlikely that any question you're going to ask is like unique to you. You know, like mm-hmm. there are so many people mm-hmm. that have those kinds of thoughts of like, what if I can't get over this? Or saying like, I don't want to look at my partner's phone in the future. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, or and saying like, yeah, I looked through phones. Like I went wild with like looking this kind of stuff up. But it's because you were pushed to like. A place where you had to almost, you know, for like survival, like you were doing it, it to like literally protect yourself. Exactly. I mean, it, literally, it was protection and yeah. also knowing, and that was my way of trying to feel safe in the relationship. And you had pointed out earlier something that my therapist had pointed out to me. I didn't realize till she did it was he didn't like that I was calling him on his bullshit. Finally, totally. Yeah. She had saw that progression in couples therapy. And I don't remember how we talked about it or how we came to it, but we had talked about it together in therapy. She was like, you finally have someone in your life that is calling you on your bullshit and you don't like it because it's a really hard reflection on yourself. Well, and a lot of the times when this is like never to like dismiss shitty behavior like this but like a lot of the times when someone is in that situation like they don't even realize the true ramifications of what they're doing we have a really really good talent of justifying our own actions to ourselves and like not being honest with ourselves and so when someone is finally like i see you then that probably forced him to see himself for like the first time in a long time and he did not like that and even though it was not your fault for just calling him out, like you probably became the enemy in that way because all of a sudden he was seeing himself for who he was and he didn't like what he saw. And instead of being like, oh, I'm the one that's doing all this, he's like, oh, it's your fault. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for you. So it just gets so backwards. And I'm so glad that your therapist was able to like point that out. And I feel like you're therapist like depersonalized it of just like Mm -hmm. he literally would have done that to anyone yeah unhealed people repeat the same patterns exactly I had found out that pattern had happened before me through another ex and she and she had she had pointed that out unhealed people repeat the same patterns and they'll continue to do so until they heal themselves and that was why it was important for me to heal myself because I didn't want to repeat the same pattern of not trusting somebody. Yeah. And like, I mean, all the actions that you took post breakup where you Mm -hmm. were like, this is what I need from you. And that's like Mm -hmm. all that I will tolerate, you know, like Mm -hmm. that, all that stuff that you did is putting yourself first and like being like, my feelings are my priority. And I deserve to make these kinds of demands. This is yeah. where I'm I'm living here for six weeks. Like, like you said, like I will set the tone. All that stuff is is huge. And I think that's what like therapy is so beautiful and it's so transformative. But like the actions that you take in those little moments of like, mm-hmm. we will walk our dogs, but like we're not gonna talk. Like those are the things that's like kind of elevating you and allowing you to like rebuild that self-esteem and self-worth without really even knowing it. Yeah, absolutely. And setting those boundaries are so important. And 
we had to live together for six weeks and then I had to be in that house for another month. And that was probably the hardest part, like being in a, in a place where everything happened and mm-hmm. where love had grown and all these different things. And of course it crossed my mind, like, can I stay here? Cause I love that house so yeah. much, but you have to remove yourself from that environment as soon as you can, because you can't grow. You can't heal where you are damaged. Yeah. No, it's so true. So I have two final questions. The first one is what happened with the dogs? Yeah. So we had to split them up. Okay. <laughs> I get yeah. asked this all the time and I'm like, I, I need to hear what I people know. did. Like what happened to the dogs? Yeah. We split them up. I took Harley because I brought her into the relationship and he took Sage. I miss her. And I, I say like, that's still a part I'm still trying to get over. Like a dog is like my child. And I gave my child up. And of course, I wanted to keep both, but it was impossible to have two Great Danes in an apartment. And nonetheless, in a, a puppy single in the hospitality industry. And I had said to, you know, keep me updated on her from a distance, like if anything major happens. And we had completely unfollowed each other and defriended everywhere after the house was done with after we got like our deposit back and everything, which is best. You don't need to be seeing what your ex is doing. And they, and I am a firm believer in people not having access to me that don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, and that mindset had to shift a little bit because I do am an influencer and I have an open platform. So anything I ever share over there about my breakup, my relationship comes from a healed place. I share from scars, not wounds. and am prepared if somebody ever says anything to which he did respond to one thing and I never responded to it but I don't really get to see Sage anymore after he moved to Austin he immediately got a new girlfriend of course about 10 years younger but whatever so I just have a couple friends I think still follow him and I'm like just let me know if Sage is alive but you also have to, when you give up dogs, you almost kind of have to break up with the dog too and kind of shift out of yeah. that mindset of like, that was mine. So I'm still grieving through the dog part. Yeah. But that's what we had to do. Yeah. It's a question that I would have answered very differently, not having a dog, but I do, I do have a dog and like, mm-hmm. think you know, that's like, it's, it's a very, it is like a child. I mean, I think that was handled as as best as as possible. You know, I hear people who are like attempting to share custody of a dog and like it's tough. And it's also probably yeah. tough for the dog if we, you know, if we think about yeah. it, like kind of shifting a dog back and forth. So and then with finding out that he does have a new girlfriend, were you able to look at it of like unhealed people <laughs> repeat the same kind yeah. of thing? Or like I know yeah. a lot of people who are like, well, what if he like totally changed for her, which like doesn't sound like it's likely, but like, you know, were you able to like see it in that kind of a light? Totally. It happened pretty quickly. And when I had found out through the grapevine, I didn't react. I didn't cry. I wasn't upset. I was, I think that was affirmation to myself that I made the right decision to have moved on. And I think that's when my therapist had brought to light on guilt people repeat the same patterns him having a new girlfriend, I I had to, that made me have to separate from Sage, our puppy together, because he has a new life in a new city with a new person. I have to let that go. 
And then my last question that I wanted to ask, if you don't mind, have you started dating again? This week, not to you, but people in general in my life are so obsessed. Like this whole time I've been broken up, like, are you dating yet? Are you like, like, even like a week after we broke up, they're like, okay, when are you going to start dating? Oh God. Yo, let me heal. And pump the brakes here. (laughs) The reason I wanted to ask is because I think being alcohol free and dating, it was something that I kind of struggled with. And so I think things have changed since I was dating. I used to be really terrified of sharing that I didn't drink on like dating apps, but I actually, I mean, I think it'll have aired by the time this comes out, but I interviewed Logan Yuri, who's like the director mm-hmm. of relationship science at Hinge. And she was actually saying that that's like a big thing that like people want sober dates even if they're yeah. like not alcohol free, they want sober first date. So I'm just curious, like, has that come up yet in any kind of dating or yeah. apps? So I got on the apps recently and my mindset is I don't think I'm going to meet the one on the apps, Okay, but I want to get into the routine or I don't want to say routine because it sounds methodical, but I want to get in the groove of dating again. It's been over yeah. four years. I'm a completely different person. I don't drink anymore. I'm also in a different age bracket. I guess people my age now, we write in our profiles that we haven't been married. We don't have kids and like all these like baggage terms that I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. I do have on my profile that I'm alcohol free and that a non-negotiable for me is that your life isn't centered around it. Yeah. I don't have to date someone that's completely sober, but like it can't be your life. Yeah, totally. It can't be your personality. It can't be your coping mechanism. You can't get blackout. Like a happy hour here and there, cool, but I can't have your life centered around it because I know for me that doesn't work and I don't I don't like that. It has not come up verbally yet. I am curious to see how that goes. So we may have to have like a touch base in like six months and see yeah. truthfully. But everyone in the alcohol free sober world on my platform say how much dating sucks in general, but they are seeing a shift that more people want sober dates at least yeah. the first couple of dates. And I think, I think it was a study that came out recently. I want to say it was like 53% of people prefer a sober first date. Yeah. When I was talking to Logan about it, it was very reassuring. She was just saying mm-hmm. like, so many more people are putting like, I go to therapy on, mm-hmm. on my profile or like, mm-hmm. this is important to me or, and mm-hmm. like it used to be like even five years ago, or I guess been like seven years since I've dated, but like seven years ago, every first date was let's meet for drinks. And I have to be like, what about coffee? And then, (laughs) or I'm like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation right now about like that I don't drink. And like, it did have like a few people go totally radio silent. I'm glad Mm -hmm. obviously it like weeds out the people that it's not going to work with, but it is like an interesting, an interesting thing. So yeah, you'll have to keep me posted on, on how it's going. I will. Fingers but, crossed. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for, for coming on. And I can't imagine it's like the easiest thing to, you know, talk about or relive or, but like you said, like you're speaking not from like an open wound, Yeah, but I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people will appreciate whether it's, you know, connecting to infidelity or having to end a relationship that wasn't working or like this idea of, you know, going through a breakup, alcohol free or whatever that looks like. I just think your story is, you know, going to help a lot of people. So I really appreciate it. Can you share your Instagram handle for people that are, you know, curious? Yes. 
It's at mixed without, and that's on Instagram and TikTok. Awesome. Well, yes, if you are, you know, curious about going alcohol free, definitely give you a follow. And thank you so much again for coming on and sharing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And I echo all of that. It it comes from a healed place and people that I have spoken to one on one have talked about how much of an inspiration the journey is of being alcohol free and truly understanding loving yourself from within and changing what needs to be changed in your life. I could not agree more. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you again. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.